Ephesians 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Let me say that again. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Welcome to Debbie DeVries Ministries. Now each week I systematically walk us through a portion of scripture in order to help give us a greater understanding of the character, the undeniable presence, and faithfulness of God. So here's the thing. At present, for the first time in two years, um, I've been able to come back together in person with women, yay, uh, in order to study the Bible. And what we're doing is we're looking at the book of Ephesians. So I thought I would share with you an overview of what we're going or what we have gleaned from this letter. So come on a journey with us for the next six weeks. Now, this week we looked at Ephesians 1, verse 1 to 14. And um, it is attached to the bottom of, of my Facebook page. So either go there and read it or open up your Bible and read it. And I'm warning you now, be ready when you read it. And you'll find out why. So the book of Ephesians is a letter and it's written by Paul. And it's different than the other letters in the sense that it does not address any particular error or heresy within a particular church. And each book of the Bible has its own special theme um, and message. So for example, Genesis is, a book, Genesis is a book about beginnings. Matthew would be a book about the kingdom. And Ephesians, well, it's a book about the Christians, riches in Christ. Paul is writing to expand the horizons of his believing readers. Now, when you study this letter, it's like Paul has taken us up on a high mountain peak in order to see the great view. You see, the letter gives us this kind of perspective of what God has created. Let me put you this way. Do you remember the opening scene from The Sound of Music? Love that movie. Uh, but Maria Ventrop is standing and singing, uh, which I won't do, but she was standing and singing from a high place. And she's looking out over the valleys and the mountains beyond, if you will. It's kind of like that. Yet the creation Ephesians opens up to our vision is not the physical creation, but the church and its position and importance in a much wider picture of God's program. It's a spiritual view. It's spiritual creation. So the church is a subject of Ephesians. It's for all churches of all periods. In other words, it's timeless. Now, it's interesting to note that in some of the earliest manuscripts where you read in verse 1, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful ones in Christ Jesus, well, in some of the, the early manuscripts, they've left out the word Ephesus. Not all of them, but in some of them. So there's a blank there. So in other words, it could be read, to the saints in, and put your name in there, to the saints in London, Ontario. Whatever it is, it is a comprehensive or full description 
the letter, of one of the most important statements Jesus ever uttered during his earthly ministry. And we find that in Matthew 16, verse 18. And this is what Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not, will not overpower it. It's It explains Jesus's teaching concerning the church, his church, his people. Bottom line, the letter reveals that the church is part of God's eternal plan, and it grows as a a result of God's power working through people's lives. It'll never be over. The church will never be done. It'll never be defeated. Paul wants to show us, he wants to help us understand that we have limitless, limitless wealth at our disposal. But remember, he's showing us something far greater than material wealth. He is showing us our eternal wealth, our spiritual wealth, which which begins right now. So, my friends, he is telling us, do not live as spiritual paupers. Now, it's interesting to note also that Paul wrote this from prison. He is speaking about wealth from prison. Therefore, I'm thinking that it's worth us climbing the mountaintop, so to speak, and look, to look at the expanse, the richness of all that we have in Jesus. Now, the book is divided into two parts. The first three chapters are focused on the gospel story, which is what God and Jesus have done. And then the last three focus on our story. You see, because the gospel story, it should affect the way we live our story. Now, in the original ancient Greek language, when reading verses 3 to 14, there's no period. There's no period until the, till the end of verse 14. That is one very long sentence. Now, it's also interesting to note that in Paul's day, it was customary for the writer. So what the writer would do is actually dictate. And so he would dictate to somebody, and in, that person would in turn write down the words that were given. So back to the no period thing. When you read those verses, verses 3 to 14, go back, do it again for a minute, it so has that feeling to it. Uh, uh, Paul is so excited about the information he's sharing, he doesn't come up for air. He is so on fire, he is so full of passion and conviction that he begins to speak and he doesn't take a breath. Can you imagine being the one writing it all down and trying to keep up with it, keeping up, keeping up with him? Actually, honestly, reading it was hard enough for me because it just is like, whoo, he's gone. Now, verse 3 tells us that we are blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Spiritual blessings are, or spiritual blessings are benefits that relate to our spiritual life in contrast to our physical life. Now, in Israel, for the Jewish people in the Old Testament, God promised blessings that were mainly physical, but for the church on this side of the resurrection, the promised blessings are mainly spiritual. So here's the thing. It says, who has blessed us? 
It doesn't say who will bless us. It says who has blessed us. God has already given us these spiritual blessings. And what they are, what these blessings are, we'll get to that in a minute. But the point is, is that we don't need to ask for them. We already have them. We should apply them. We should grab hold of them by faith. We should give thanks for them because we already have them. Now, what are they? Well, for start, we are called saints, which in a biblical sense means you belong to Christ. You are in relationship with Jesus, and it has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with anything that you and I have said or done. Now, it goes on to say, and this is where it gets interesting, um, it goes on to say that we are chosen. Now, the imagery of chosen, stay with me, the imagery of chosen comes from the Old Testament. Israel was chosen by God. There was nothing that Israel did to warrant this, their selection as God's people. They were simply chosen by a perfect, holy God. Before the foundations of the world were laid, Paul says, God doesn't change. He chose people. And he is saying this to both Jewish and Gentile believers. It's complicated stuff. And even though I personally can't fully understand this or grasp it or get my head around it, it doesn't mean that I get to just throw it away. God's choosing versus man's free will. Did God choose you? Or did you hear and believe like it says in 1 verse 13? Let me just read that to you in case you haven't read it yet. It says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed. Here's what I'm thinking. If God wanted us to 100% understand the difference between these these two truths, what are they? Chosen? man's free will. Well, then he would have made it 100% clear. But you know what? It's not. Somehow, they are both true. The Bible supports both of these truths. The mystery of divine sovereignty and human responsibility will never be solved in this life. They are both taught in the Bible. John 6 verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me and Jesus says, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Ah, beautiful. Both are true and both are essential. It also says that we are predestined. And what does he mean by this? He means that God created you and me to belong to the family of God. He predestined us to be adopted. God has signed the adoption papers. Why? Because he loves you and he loves me. Now, if you have children, you know the depth of love you have for them. God's love for you and me, it's deeper than the love that we have for our children. It goes so far beyond that. Paul is taking us to the mountaintop so he can show us this truth. And because we are adopted, we are heirs. He is saying, look at the expanse. You are rich. Now remember, he's talking fast and he's talking passionately. Love God. Seek after him. Honor him and be filled with zeal for him. Why? Because God calls you family. You have, you have a family. 
You are in God's family. Now, have you ever had a family member that you have been ashamed of at some point, not wanting to admit that they are part of your family? Or has there ever been something that you have said or done that would cause you to think, oh, Jesus would be ashamed of me? You get to get rid of that thought. You see, because Jesus calls us family, and Paul says, look, look, come up here and see. He's not ashamed to do so. And nothing will change this because you are redeemed. We are heirs. We are adopted. Now, the listeners or readers of this day would have understood what Paul meant by adoption. You see, in the Roman law, when adoption was finalized, it was final was final. The son or daughter who was adopted had all the rights of a legitimate child in his or her, her new family. In the eyes of Roman law, the adopted one was really a, a new person. Even all the debt and obligations connected with his or her previous parents that would have normally followed that child, well, they were abolished. It's like they never existed. Jesus is 100% accepted by God the Father, which means through Jesus, we are 100% accepted by God, our Father. Our Father. We are adopted. The old person is gone. It's like that old person never existed. We are new in Christ, and one day, one day we will receive our full inheritance. We have a down payment back to the mountaintop. And look, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It's a guarantee. It's a pledge. It's a deposit. It's the first installment of the full inheritance to come. Here's the amazing thing. The seal of the Holy Spirit is only a down payment. You are saints. You are faithful. You are chosen. You are predestined. You are redeemed. And you are heirs. But that's only a down payment. The first installment. Access to God and all the blessings are just the first taste of all that God will give us when Jesus returns. It's too much to grasp for me. It's too big. But Paul says, come up on the mountain and look and see. And we are to give thanks for our temporal blessings. But our thanks for our spiritual blessings, there should be no comparison. A new heart from God is far better than a new coat. To feed on Christ the bread of life is better than the very best food that this world can offer. To be an heir of God is better than being the heir of the greatest and the wealthiest here on earth. Having God as our portion is infinitely better than owning acreage and acreage of land. Blessings from God, spiritual blessings from God are the rarest the richest, the most enduring of all blessings. Their value is priceless. We have an inheritance in Jesus. He's not our judge. He is our Savior, and He is our family. When you and I were adopted into God's family, it's like we were born rich. You and I are rich spiritually. We have God's grace and we have his mercy.
what he is telling us is that all the wealth in the world is pennies. It's pennies compared to the spiritual wealth that we have in Christ. Again, the children of Israel were promised material blessings as reward for their obedience. But today, for the church, he has promised to supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4 verse 19. But he doesn't promise to shield us from poverty or pain. Instead, the Father has given us every blessing of the Spirit, everything we need for a successful, satisfying, rich, full, peaceful Christian life. The Father planned to save us right from the beginning. The Son saved us by purchasing us. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is our guarantee Reread Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 14 again and take out all the punctuations and go and read it. And I pray that God, through the Holy Spirit, give you an eye, the eyes to see, that he give the ears to hear and the mind that will grasp the fullness of who we are in Christ and what we have in him. Amen. I'm so glad that you were able to join me on today's podcast. You can learn more about me and my ministry at debbiedevriesministry.ca. It's my desire that through this podcast, you are drawn into a deeper relationship and a clearer understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, as we spend the time to get to know God the Father and Jesus our Savior as revealed through the Bible. I would love to connect with you. My social media links and email address can be found on my website. Let me know if anything I've said on the podcast has made a difference in your life. Leave me a review or shoot me a a personal email. But until we meet again, keep reading, keep reading on, and grow in your relationship and your love with God the Father, Jesus, His Son, our Savior, through the Holy Spirit. Amen.